The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Okay, today we are in part two of our series, Crossroads. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to get the, the CD or, or download the message for free online. It's so important that um, we are on the same page. We explained last week that a crossroad is um, a confluence of roads where two or more roads intersect. So um, when you have two, an intersection of two or more roads, you have a crossroad. And life presents crossroad situations to everyone. One, and crossroads is critical because destinies are determined at crossroads. Many times we worry about the destination, but we, when we choose the right path, we have chosen the destination that we want. When you choose to face Ekpe, you will eventually get Ekpe because you cannot be facing VI and be praying and fasting while you are facing Ekpe that one day you will get to VI. No, you will get to Ekpe one day. So the point is this. Our crossroads determined our, our destiny. And, and we, we have this diagram from last week where we explained that every decision you will make ever, every decision I will make will flow in one of these three directions. Every decision you have ever made, decision to marry, decision of where to live, decision of the school your children will attend, decision of whatever decision, it's going to flow in one of these three directions. It is. And when we take a turn that isn't God's way, we circumvent the working of the power of God in our lives. So the question to you and I today, like every other time, is what is it going to be? Are you going to live an ordinary life or are you going to live an extraordinary life? What is it going to be? Are you going to live a powerful life or are you going to live a powerless life? What is it going to be? Are you going to have a form of godliness denying the power thereof or are you going to be full of resurrection power? What is it going to be? The decision you make will determine what is going to happen. And today we are going to be, um, we are actually having two sermons in one because we are going to be looking at the way of the world and we are going to be looking at the way of self today. And next week Sunday, Easter Sunday, we are going to be looking at um, the way of God. But you see, the truth is that some of us, either by our own decisions or by the direction our parents have taken, we've taken a wrong turn and we are seeing the impact of wrong decisions in our lives. On Friday, this Friday, we're going to have a vigil, a congressional vigil, and, and God is going to do in our lives what we call cost correction. Everybody say cost correction. Some people's path will be recalibrated and set right in Jesus' name. The way of the world. Everyone, every one of us, will get to the crossroad where going the way of the world will look like a viable option. Everybody, everybody here, you will get to a point where taking the way of the world will look like the, the sensible thing to do. You look at all your options and taking the way of the world, you, you actually consider it. Everybody will. So what is the way of the world? What is the way of the world? First John 2, 15 to 17, explains it to us. It says, do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when 
you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only three things. The world offers how many things? Only three things. The world offers the craving of physical pleasure, also known by the King James version of the Bible as the lust of the flesh. The craving of everything we see, also known as the lust of the eyes. And the pride in achievements and possessions, also known as the pride of life. It says, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading. Everybody say fading. This world is fading. It's fading away. Along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Does that sound like you? By the grace of God, you and I will live forever. <laughs> In Jesus' name. So we see here that all the world offers is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So when we get to this point, and what informs our decision is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life, we are actually, the Bible says, we are taking the way of the world. We are taking a turn to the left. In this diagram, we are taking the way of the world. What informed the person you marry? If what informed the person you marry is, I want a woman that is more beautiful than all the wives of my friends. How can I ever be a criteria for who you marry? I want a man that is taller than all my brothers. I want a man that is richer than Bill Gates. If the things that informed the decision is the craving of what we see, the craving of the flesh, and the pride of life, Make no mistake, you have taken a turn to the way of the world. God is going to correct that turn in Jesus' name and realign you in the mighty name of Jesus. So we see that explained. Yeah. And last week, you know, we, we explained when we were saying it, you know, someone says that, oh, um, um, where's the way of Satan in this diagram? You know, and I explained that Satan doesn't have a way. There's no way of Satan. He, he just uses any way that is not the way of God. So you will see him show up here. You see him show up there. And by the way, Satan is the prince of this world. You know, Jesus himself said, Satan is the prince of this world. John 14, 30. John 14, 30. The word of God says, I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming and he has no hold over me. The prince of this world is coming and he has no place in me. The prince of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that when the prince of this world checks you out, you will have nothing in you. You will have no goods of Satan in your possession. In the mighty name of Jesus. By the grace of God, I have no goods of Satan in my possession. None. Not one. Can you say that? If you cannot, I pray that today God will correct your course. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
You know, and the world fades away. Verse 17 says it's fading. Everything in it is fading. And But anyone that does the will of God, that pleases God, lives forever. This world is fading. Everything we can see will fade away. Everything. That's why we don't look at the things that are seen. We look at the things that are not seen. Why? Because the things that are seen are temporal. Everything you can see will expire. Everything. But the things that are not seen are eternal. Eternal. So when folks get to this point, the enemy says to us, take the way of the world. Take left. Go the way of the world. That is why a lot of people, some people, a lot of people increasingly, you know, are joining secret cults. People are joining secret societies. Why? Satan is saying to them, look, I'm dangling something in front of you. It is called the pride of life. Come, we will take care of you. We will give you the connections. Come, we will protect, we protect our own. Come. Everyone in a cult that if you want to be free and, and you're scared, you don't know how to be free, come and see us. Jesus will set you free. Totally, in the name of Jesus. Those that are being enticed, don't do it. It leads to destruction. It does totally leads to destruction. Jesus says in Mark 8, 36, that what will it profit a man? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? If you, if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, there are two things wrong with that, gaining the whole world. Number one, you cannot. Why? Because if you take anything else, this pen is mine. It's not with you. So you cannot get it. So if you get everything else without this pen, you don't have the whole world. Do you understand? And people here, they have houses you cannot take. They have children you cannot take. They have cars you cannot take. There's money in the account, you won't take it. So you nobody can really get the whole world. But guess what? Even if you do, you're going to die. Satan knows this. He knows you won't live more than 200 years. Then what happens to your soul? Let's say you live up to 200 years. I don't even want to live up to 200 years. Let me see your hands up. I want to see 200. <laughs> Nobody wants to. Your great-grandchildren will be praying for you. I just put my home and do and go. Oh man, or whatever. <laughs> you know. Nobody wants to. You see, and if anybody can say, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world and loses his soul? And can say it authoritatively is Jesus. Why? Because Jesus himself was tempted. Jesus got to this point and he was tempted to take this turn. Jesus actually had an option to turn left, to go the way of the world. Jesus was tempted to go the way of the world. Speaking with a young man years ago, and he was um, at a crossroad. He was chasing a business with some government of the world, Obviously, I can't mention the name because he was talking to the vice president. Very powerful nation of the world. And the guy said to him that, I want to give you this business, but I only do business with my brothers. The bottom line, if you don't join our cult, you can't get it. And he was conflicted. It, I mean, this was... Hundreds of millions of dollars. It was conflicted. It's like, Pastor, what do I do? 
I need this. You know what this money will do for the kingdom? <laughs> Have you heard that before? <laughs> As if God is broke. He <laughs> says, the gold is mine. And the silver, if I were hungry, I would even ask you. You know? And I told him what to do. But you see, the beauty of this is this. He said he was going to, was going to make that, I mean, commit to that cause. He said that Jesus appeared to him. He said Jesus appeared to him and said to him, he says, where are you going to go? I, so when he, when he left, I said to God, you, but you, I'm the pastor, you need to appear to me. <laughs> you know, and God really helped him. God really helped him. I just told him that he shouldn't do it. You will get this option. Jesus himself got this option. In Luke 4, 1 to 13, Luke 4, 1 to 13, you can write it down. When you get home, Jesus, the, the, the enemy took Jesus to the top of the mount of, of, of the pinnacle and said to him, if you are the son of God, jump down. It is written, he will give his angels charge over you. Jesus did not says you will not tempt the Lord your God. He said, if you are the son of God, to command the stones to be bread. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. And he said to him, look at all the kingdoms of this world and the glories of the kingdoms of this world. He says, Satan said, they are mine, they are his. He says, but I will give you, if he was lying, Jesus will tell him he was lying. He says, just bow to me and I will give you. Jesus did not say, you are lying. Jesus says, no. If you have a dog and your dog has puppies, who owns the puppies? So Jesus says, you, I will bow to only God. The most high God, the possessor of the heavens and the earth that owns you and owns everything in the earth. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So Jesus says, I will not bow. So Jesus had the opportunity to sell his soul to gain the world. He had the opportunity to take this turn. You will have the opportunity but you will pass your test because Jesus passed his test. Praise the name of the Lord. I can tell you many stories of myself. Many of you know those stories, but, so, but I'll go on anyway. It is so important that we realize that this is not a new turn. It's not a new turn. It's the, it's the same turn that the enemy has been using to cheat Mankind from the beginning. In fact, the very first recorded crossroads of humanity in Genesis chapter 3 is all about the way of the world. Genesis 3, 1 to 7. It says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the world the Lord God made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the midst of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it and even, or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And Satan said, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and it was beautiful to look upon. And the fruit looked delicious. 
And she wanted the wisdom it gave her. So she saw that the, the fruit was beautiful. What is that? Lost of the eyes. See, she, she saw that the fruit looked delicious. What's that? Lost of the, lost of the flesh. And she loved the wisdom it would give her. What is that? Pride of life. It's the same thing. If got to this point, if got to this point, and, and the devil says, turn left, Eve. Take a left turn. You are going to get to this point if you are not there right now. And the enemy is going to say, take a left turn. Don't do it. So she, she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and, and she wanted the wisdom that it gave her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She took some and she ate it. So verse 6 says, the woman was convinced so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. So where, where was the husband? Who was with her? And he ate it too. Now, so, the husband was there. Or somebody else was talking to the wife. The husband was present, but silent. Why would you be present and you will not talk to your wife? If you don't talk to your wife, something else is talking to your wife. And that thing is not you. If you're not, you know, my wife says to me that I brainwash her. I say, yes, that's my job. That's my responsibility. She, she looks back at her, at her life and she says to me, ah, tell me you have brainwashed me, you have brainwashed me. I said, I'm very proud of that. <laughs> if you don't brainwash your wife, somebody else will brainwash your wife. I'm not, I'm not trying to cause trouble here. I'm just telling you as it is. <laughs> okay. Can't you see that those claps are feminine claps? They don't have bars in the crowd. <laughs> Only the women are clapping. Why would you be present and silent? She wants to talk. But you won't open your mouth. You won't talk to her. And she's there. She, she wants to engage. Then the serpents come. And she has a conversation. And you see, it, it, it's, it's so interesting because the, 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 Adam was not deceived. You know, the Bible says Adam was not deceived. So, so he thought, he was thinking clearly. Satan saw Adam there. Why didn't Satan go to meet Adam? Because he knew that Adam will not be deceived. Adam cannot be deceived, will not, not cannot, will not be deceived, will not be convinced. It says the woman was convinced. So to get a woman to do what you want a woman to do, you have to convince the woman. To get a man to do what you want a man to do, you have to seduce the man. His brain can still be working. He knows it is wrong, but he will still do it. A woman is not like that. If a woman knows it is wrong, she won't do it most of the time. She has to be confused and convinced and toasted and flabbergasted. <laughs> Before she does it. But the man is not like that. The man can see something that is wrong and still do it. That's why wives don't understand. Why would you ever do that? I was seduced. <laughs> you know? And, I, and, I, and that's it. 
So, so she was convinced. And which is why you have to keep talking to your wives. You, they, they want to hear something. You be the one that has the agenda and you are delivering your manifesto. You are delivering it. You are delivering it. You are delivering it. This is how we are going to run this house. This is how things are going to be. Don't worry. Uh-uh. We don't have milk today. A time will come. <laughs> we will be giving milk to everybody. She will believe it. Because she's designed to believe. Even though you are said, eh, we don't have food. She will believe it. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so she was convinced, the Bible says. So the question is, what was she convinced of? Verse 5. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. So Satan lost people to the way of the world by discrediting God. Satan lost people to the way of the world by discrediting God. God knows your eyes will be opened. God is keeping you from a good life. God is saying you should follow all these born again people so that you will not enjoy the good life. God is saying you should surrender your life so that you will not have a good life. God wants to keep you from a good life. And that is a lie from the pits of hell. Because God says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. More abundantly. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so Satan tries to say to, to people that, God is keeping something from you. So if you go about living life feeling God is keeping something from you, you are asking for trouble. If you go about living life thinking, hmm, this is God. Hmm, I know how to do these things by myself. Or, you know, like Abraham. Abraham went the way of the world at some point. He says, God, to produce children is not very hard. Though. In case you don't know how to do it, let me show you how to do it. You know, I just produced one. A sample, you know, <laughs> for God, you know. When God comes, we have to understand that He has our interest at heart. What was she convinced about? Verse 4 You won't. Die. God says, you, you, she will die. Satan says, nah, you won't die, eat it. You know, how many of us, the very first time, the things God told you not to do, the very first time, you struggled. That, and God said, I shouldn't do it. Satan said, do it. Nothing will happen, do it. Then you, you tried small, right? Then you look, you look. The heaven did not fall. Then what happened? You try it again. Why? Because Satan will always tell you, you won't die. You are not the first, you won't be the last. All these people you are seeing in church, only God knows who is serving him. It's true. It's true. And if you bite that bait, you are asking for trouble. Because you won't die. And guess what? When she ate it, did she die because she didn't understand the death God was talking about? Separation from God, spiritual death. She eventually died physically. So because she didn't die, that gave her the f tree to offer Adam. And she said to Adam, oh God, listen, I don't chop this thing. It's sweet. I don't die. Chop. And Adam offered no resistance. Men are amazing. Amazing. No resistance. This, okay, take, eat it. Me, I've eaten it. See, let me show you. And Adam ate it. He ate it. The scripture says, Eve was deceived. Adam was not deceived. So why did Adam eat it? Even though he was not deceived. Why did Adam eat it? There's only one word. 
why Adam ate it. And that word is Obiri. I know you are waiting for a powerful revelation. <laughs> you are waiting for a huge, a huge revelation. Obiri means woman. A, a woman can take you to the top and a woman can bring you to the dust. Your wife can take you to the top if she insists that you are going to the dust, you must pray very well. That's why you have to train her. That's why everything, it is my duty. I have my, my brother-in-law, my, my wife's eldest brother, came to visit some time ago, and he said to me, he says, I can see that you have trained. She was my sister. I knew her before she married you. I can see that you have trained her. When I heard her pray, he said, when I heard her preach, this is not my sister. I said, that's my job. <laughs> because, because she will, you must have heard it several times, she will give you what you give her in an amplified way. Bloated up. I, you know, we don't like trouble, man. We don't like trouble. Women can, and I pray that your wives will make you great. Yeah. And they won't pull you down. Yeah. In Jesus' name. I told you the prayer my grandmother used to say to us. To, you know, most of, we're five boys. She used to say that. You will not see the fight of a woman. And I pray for every man in this place. May you not see the fight of a woman. <laughs> okay, enough said about that. So, the power, the power to overcome the way of the world is when you are fully persuaded that God has the best for you. You overcome the way of the world, this left turn, you overcome it when you are fully persuaded that God has the best for you. If you are not fully persuaded that God has the best for you, you are going to take this turn. You have to be fully persuaded. Let God be true and let everybody else be a liar. Psalm 35, 37 verse 25, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken. No, he said, beg bread. Psalm 84 verse 11, God will not withhold anything good from those that love him. He will not. You have to be convinced. You have to be persuaded that God has the best in store for you. Amen. Okay. So that is someone number one. Let's go to someone number two. Quickly. The way of self. You know, the way of, of self. You know, we've said severally that Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. Carry your cross daily and, and follow me. And if you are using the um, devotional on you version, the beauty. We talked about self-righteousness, self-confidence, self-deception, self-centeredness, self-hatred, all that is self. But today, we, I'm not going to repeat all that. I'm just going to, I'm, we're going to zoom in on a very key component of self, and that is self-preservation. 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 If for you to be all that God wants you to be, you must overcome the way of self-preservation. He that saves his life will lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake, Jesus says we save it. Self-preservation is said to be the first law of nature. It is the first law of nature. The first instinct of man is to preserve himself. The first instance of any human being is preserving himself. In marriages, that's why you have people that are not really united. They, are, they have a divided camp. The husband is thinking, how do I checkmate this woman? 
the woman is thinking, how do I checkmate this man? Something is wrong with that setting. You have to be on the same page. You have to die to self. <laughs> you know, a story is told of um, a French king, Louis XI. Louis XI loves astronomy. And there was this astronomer that, through astronomy, he had some very accurate predictions. He predicted certain events accurately. And through astronomy, he predicted that a woman is going to die in the king's palace eight days from now. And that exact eight days, a woman died. I can't remember if it's the wife or if it's the mother of the king. So the king was upset and sent for this astronomer. And I told his guards that when he gives the signal, they should bundle this man and throw him down from the citadel so that his bones will scatter on the floor. So when the, the astronomer got to the palace, the king asked the astronomer a question. And the question was this, tell me when you will die and how you will die. Because the king has already planned how he wants to finish him. Tell me when you will die and how you will die. And the astronomer says, that's, that's actually very simple. I don't know how I will die, but I know exactly when I will die. And the king says, I'm listening. And the astronomer says, I will die exactly three days before the king dies. And the king says, they should serve him a beautiful lunch. They should, he relocated his house from the village near the king's palace. He got him fine medical attention. <laughs> because of self-preservation. It's a true story, by the way. You could Google it. Some of you are still trying to get the story. You get it on Wednesday when you come for time. <laughs> you know? So, so self-preservation is, is key. And as natural as it is, it can be a hindrance to fulfillment of destiny. When you get to this point and the enemy says, take the way of self-preservation, you have to overcome it. Jesus himself got to that place and had to overcome it. Matthew 26 36 to 44, Matthew 26, 36 to 44, says then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. And stay here and keep watch with me. He went a little further, bowed down with his face to the ground, praying. What was his prayer? Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even an hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. The body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed the same prayer. Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping and they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same thing. Now, I, I, when, I, when I read that scripture, I said to myself, but Jesus, if you really want the will of God to be done, why are you praying? Go, go, go and do it. Do you understand? It means it was tough for him. He said, he said, Lord, 
I surrender to your will, but you are praying for one hour. What are you praying for? Let your will be done. Go to the cross. The point is this. You may be at a place where doing God's will is difficult. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Jesus also got to the place where doing the will of the Father was difficult. This same Jesus, this same Jesus that was saying in John 6.38, for I have come, John 6.38, from heaven to do the will of him who sent me not to do my will. This same Jesus in Luke 9.22, Luke 9.22, he says the Son of Man will suffer terrible things from the hands of sinners and he will be crucified and he will be buried and on the third day he will rise again. This same Jesus, he saw the cross. The Mark account of, of the same passage says that he said to God, all things are possible with you. Let us find a shortcut. That was Jesus. So do you feel like you need a shortcut from heaven? You're in good company. You're in good company. Do you feel that this is it's hard, Lord? Can't, isn't it possible for you to do something easier? You're in good company. The same Jesus that said to his disciples, my nourishment in John 4, 34, my nourishment comes from doing God's will. My nourishment comes from doing God's will. Go and take your nourishment on the cross. <laughs> your indomie is there waiting for you. Go and take it. My nourishment comes from the... And the time came. He struggled. If Jesus could struggle, Jesus understands your struggle. He understands your struggle. He understands your struggle. And he really does. So, are you in a place when you could say your soul is crushed? You may be in depression. You are, feel you are depressed. It says, my soul is extremely troubled. It's time to go to Gethsemane. It's time to find Gethsemane. It's time to go to Gethsemane. Oh, I'm in a place where everything is dark. It's time to go to Gethsemane. And that's why, you know, Friday vigil is so, so, so important. You know, because some of us, we really need to go to Gethsemane and and just pray. And prayer is not bending God's will to get what we want. No, 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 no. That's not prayer. Prayer is actually aligning what we want with God's will. Jesus said to Peter, I could have prayed and commanded legions of angels to come, I could have prayed for all these guys, fall down and die. A lot of them fall and die. Jesus said, I can do that. But I have to go to the cross. You see, some prayers, heaven will not answer. Because the glory that is coming from you going to the cross, which we are going to see next week Sunday, is far more important than your temporal victory. Some of us want God to give us victory and it's good to have those victories. Don't get me wrong. But there are some victories God will not give you because of the greater victory that he wants to give you. So he will allow you sometimes, sometimes, to go through the burner. So that when you come out as gold, people are saying, oh, where did she come from? Oh, where did this come from? Oh, this overnight success. Oh, this, you know. They don't know the press that you have been through. Praise the name of the Lord. Why? John 12, 24 says, this is Jesus speaking again, you know. Verily, truly, very truly, verily, verily, I say to you, I tell you, unless a grain of seed falls to the ground, to the earth, and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Except a grain of wheat falls and dies. 
Many of us, we have a, a vision. We have a dream. And that dream is like a grain of, of corn, of wheat. And, and we keep cleaning the vision, polishing it, shining it, taking selfies with the, with the, with the corn, posting it of, on, on Facebook, tweeting it on Instagram. You're you are taking selfies. But selfies cannot multiply the vision. Except the grain falls to the ground and what? And dies. It abides alone. So the way of God, we're going to be seeing from next week, is the path of the cross that leads to the resurrection. God has not called us just to live a crucified life. God has called us to live a resurrected life. Big difference. Huge difference. Again, more on that next week. Now, but unfortunately, we see people jump ship. People don't pay the price. There's a popular story of, of a cruise line. The captain of the cruise line, Captain Scutino. Captain Scutino was directing affairs on the ship, and the ship had a big problem with the wave about to capsize. Guess what Captain Coutinho did? He jumped off the ship, swam to the shore, now called the rescue people. And the rescue people say, who is this? He says, I'm the captain of the ship. Where are you? He says, oh, I'm by the shore. I'm by the lighthouse in the shore. He says, you abandoned your ship? He says, that's why I came to make the call. <laughs> He told the captain, go back to the ship. A captain does not leave his ship. A pilot does not leave his aircraft. You, you, so why will a man abandon his family? Why will a man not stay with his family? Why will a man jump ship when things are tough? Why would... <sighs> so, Captain Scutino had to swim back <laughs> because they said we will flog him back to this. Go back. The captain does not abandon. It's a principle of life. Why? It's good to look at Captain Scutino and, and, and say to yourself, oh, what, a, what an irresponsible man. Right? Right? But if you check... We, we have been tempted to jump ship too, haven't we? We have been tempted to preserve ourselves. But sometimes, when you give up your life, that is when you actually find your life. In fact, with God, you have to give up your life to actually find your life. You can read that in Luke 9, 23 to 24. Luke 9, 23 to 24. You have to give it up to find it. And Abraham was a classic example. Abraham, you know, we alluded to his story. I said to God, oh, let me help you produce a son. Since you don't know how to do it, I, I think you have forgotten. Let me show you how to do it. And he produced one for God. And God says, well, I will bless him, but in Isaac, shall your seed be. And when the time came, Isaac came. Then that same Isaac, God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, which means the other one, Ishmael was not recognized. Your only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him. You know, I said, God had to put Isaac's name because if God had said, take your son, even if it's your only son, I'm bringing to sacrifice, he probably would have carried Ishmael. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, let's go. I'll be thinking about to get rid of you. You know, perfect opportunity. You know, unfortunately, many times, God is asking us for Isaac 
and we are giving God Ishmael. God is saying, I need Isaac, and you are saying, take Ishmael. God will not take Ishmael. Because Ishmael is smelling. Is smell. Is smell. <laughs> I have to break it down like that because I know some people until Wednesday before they get it. Okay. <laughs> uh, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? So, so, so God said to Abraham, "You have to bring Isaac. Now, your only son, and sacrifice him." And, and Abraham did. And if you think, how did he do that? How could he do that? Hebrews eleven eighteen tells us that. Even though God had told him, Isaac is your son through whom your descendants will be counted. In Isaac shall your seed be. Abraham reasoned. So faith reasons. Faith reasons. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again because God had said, in Isaac shall your seed be. So if God takes Isaac, God will bring him back to life. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. By the time we look at the same account in Romans chapter 4 verse 20, the Bible says Romans 4 20 that Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God. How did he do it? He was fully persuaded. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised to do. Now, what has God promised you to do? I'm here to tell you that God is able to do it. You have to be fully persuaded. So, Abraham did not take this turn because he was fully persuaded that God will do what he has promised to do. Even if Isaac died, that God was going to raise him back from the dead because God is able to do just what he said he will do. He's gonna fulfill every promise to you. Don't give up on God because he won't He's able. Amen. So, so we see here that the power over the way of self comes from being fully persuaded that God has the best for you. The power over the way of self is being fully persuaded that God has what? The best for you. But we also said the power over the way of the world He's been fully convinced that God has the best for you. So do you trust God this morning? Do you trust God? So we triumph over the way of the world and over the way of self when we are fully persuaded in God. When we trust God completely. When we trust God totally. Do you trust God? Do you trust God completely and totally? You know, let me close with a story. Share the story before. A young man that was falling from a great height. And as he was falling and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling, his hand grabbed a branch of a tree and he held on to the branch of the tree and he was like, ah, thank God because he was going to splash on the floor. And, and while he was hanging on, it was a cold, pitch black night 
It was getting cold. His hands were weak. And he prayed to God and he said to God, God, send help. And God spoke to him. And God said, I want to help you. Let go of the branch. He says, let go of the branch. The boy put his shoulder on the branch. Let go. I'd rather die here. You know where I've I'm, I'm, I'm been falling from. I said you should send an ambulance. And God kept telling him, let go of the branch. Let go of the branch. And he didn't trust God enough. And he held on to the branch. And in the morning, they saw a young man that froze to death, holding on to a branch a few inches away from the floor. It was just a few inches away from the floor. And God says, let go of the branch. But he couldn't see. But God could see it. So God said, let go of the branch. He says, no. Do it my way. God says, no. It has to be my way. Let go of the branch. He says, no, send an ambulance. Do you trust God this morning? Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Do you trust God, my brother, my sister? Do you trust God this morning? You know, you may be here. Let's just think about what we have heard and let's just pray about what we have heard. You may be here and you want to be fully, fully persuaded. You want to be fully persuaded. You want to take your first step towards God. You're saying, Pastor, I want to take my step towards God away from the world, away from self. I want to step away from self. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. You say, oh, you are saying, Pastor, I used to be persuaded. But I've, I, I am not persuaded. I'm, 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 I'm confused right now. I, I, have, I have allowed my conviction to slide. I'm not with God anymore in my heart. Can you pray with me? If you are in any of those two categories, I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. You don't need to put, come forward. Just put up your hand now over your head quickly and I'll pray with you. Put up that hand. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. Keep the hands up. That is me. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Keep it up. Shoot it up. Over your head. Over your head. Over your head. Pastor, pray with me. God bless you. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my sister over there. God bless you. At the back. God bless you. God bless you. At that corner, God bless you. I see the hand. If you, if you have the card, you can put down the hand and, and, just, and just thank him. And just release your life to him. And just say, Lord, I take my step towards you. God bless you. Over there, at that corner. Keep the hands up. That is me. That is me. If you have the card, you can put down that hand. The rest of us, let's, let's talk to God. You, you may be saying, but Lord, I am shaking right now. My full persuasion is going through a storm. I'm going through a storm. My soul is crushed. The same way God helped Jesus, God will help you. Cry out to him. The Bible says in another translation that angels came and ministered to Jesus. Angels will come to minister to you. Cry to God. The same God that helped Peter when he was sinking and helped him when his faith was shaking and stretched forth his hands will help you. Cry for help. Cry for help. Anybody else? Pastor, pray with me. Pray with me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to take my step, my first step. Oh, oh I want to take my walk with God that I've abandoned. I want to reenact it. I've allowed my persuasion to be eroded. Can you pray with me? Put up that hand over your head now and join these people. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory, Lord. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you, taking the steps towards you. Lord, those that even used to be persuaded but have allowed their faith to creep, Lord, we ask that you show them mercy today and help them to be fully persuaded and grounded and rooted in you in the mighty name of Jesus. For all those that are fully persuaded, they know they are fully persuaded, but they are going through a storm right now. Even the way Jesus went through Gethsemane, you helped him. Help us. You sent angels to minister to him. Send angels to minister to us. 
You stretched forth your hand and you saved Peter from sinking. Stretch forth your hand and save us from sinking. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus as we honor him. And thank you for his word. Amen.